Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading this morning is from the sixth chapter of of Matthew. We are in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus is teaching and sharing with those who have gathered, He says, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, you, you of little faith? Therefore, don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what we wear? For it's the Gentiles who strive for those things. And, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all those things, but you, you strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A shout out to our youth who at this moment are worshiping in Winston-Salem. They left this morning about, nine, about 10 o'clock to, um, to participate in a ministry, a Lutheran ministry in Winston called The Dwelling. It's a, it's a, a worshiping community among the homeless there. And so they'll be worshiping. They are currently, as we speak, worshiping with them and, uh, and then participating or helping uh, with a, a feeding and shower ministry after worship today. So they're, uh, it's a good group that, that left this morning. So our prayers go with them. An auction was uh, being held at a, at a Catholic church. Tables surrounded the auction hall with food, but there were not many desserts. Now, I don't know about you, but like, that's the first thing I'm looking for, right? The table of desserts. Well, anyway, there weren't many desserts, and at one of the tables, all there was was a basket full of red delicious apples donated by one of the nuns, and who placed in front of it a sign that said, please take only one apple, God is watching. <laughs> On a table nearby was a lar- large plate, though, of chocolate chip cookies that somebody had brought. It had no sign whatsoever, and there was no indication of price. So after reading the note in front of the apples, a third grade boy quickly scribbled a sign for the cookies that read this, take as many as you want. God is watching the apples. (laughs) One of the tragedies in this world is the belief that there is just not enough to go around, which causes us, you and me, uh, at times, a great deal of anxiety. I think particularly true these days as we sort of watch and read and engage with news reports over and over again of high inflation, job dissatisfaction, insecurities. I'm not making light of any of that. Uh, there is great seriousness there, but it does just heighten our sense of anxiety, doesn't it? Even Oracle reported this week that 82% of Americans are worried that our supply chain problems are going to ruin our Christmas, that we won't have enough toys and gadgets and food and wealth and stuff and, I don't know, maybe even chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) There just won't be enough to go around. At least that's what many folks are worried about this season. 
My mom enjoyed baking cakes when we were little, and one of the highlights was licking the bowl that, that held the batter. Did you like that? Loved it. Unfortunately, my older sister loved it too. So it was always a little bit of a battle as to who would get it because neither of us wanted to share the bowl with the other. Because in our minds, well, there wasn't enough to go around. <laughs> today, as you know, or some of you, if you're visiting today, um, you're just lucky enough to know that today is Consecration Sunday for us at St. John's. When we give serious attention to the gifts that God has given us, and we offer thanks for the fact that, well, there is more than enough to go around. Neither the bowl nor the plate will ever go empty. And our text is a beautiful text. We've been walking through the Gospel of Mark this year, but today we're taking a step away from Mark's Gospel, and we're looking uh, at, at Matthew chapter 6 again in the middle of the sermon, this great sermon on the mount. And Jesus provides us with a beautiful, lovely reminder that just as God has clothed the lilies of the field and fed the birds of the air, He will certainly care for us as well, right? But do we believe it? Do, do we believe and value the God-given treasure that is surrounding us, but also the treasure that is within us, that is through us, that is part of us? Michelangelo was pushing a block of granite down the street. A curious neighbor sort of was watching and sitting on the porch of his house, called out and asked why he was working so hard over just some old piece of stone. Michelangelo is said to have uttered, well, because there's an angel in that rock that just wants to come out. God-given treasure is all around us. God-given treasure is also within you. It's around you. It's through you. Do you believe it, friends? Do you claim it? Are you willing to claim it? Are you willing then, if so, to, to share it? Or will you keep it only for yourself? Worried that there's just not enough to go around. Last week, Pastor Proats told the wonderful story of the widow's mite from Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 12. And if you were here, you remember. It's a simple story of a poor widow who visits a temple in Jerusalem in order to make a, an offering. She, she was a woman, and so she made her way, likely, to the women's court, which is a large courtyard outside of the entrance to the, to the temple. There were, in that place, 13 very large metal offering receptacles there, each, each in the shape of a giant trumpet. And throughout the day, folks, pilgrims, others, uh, would come and, and toss their coins into those receptacles, hoping, at least among many of them, to have brought enough coinage so that it would make a very loud noise, a sound indicating an extra large gift. <laughs> well, this widow reached into her purse and she pulled out two very small copper coins. They were worth about a penny. They certainly would not make much of a noise at all. She may have been embarrassed at the sound or the lack of a sound, but it's all she had, so she tossed them in quietly, unassumedly. She turned, walked away, unnoticed, well, almost. Because somehow, despite all of the noise that was certainly there present that day because of the large crowds that were beginning to gather for the Passover, and certainly even despite all of the important people who were, who were there in the temple that day, men, all men in, in robes with fancy tassels, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that pranced around the temple that, that particular day, despite all of the noise and all of the visual attractiveness of the day, well, Jesus noticed something. Jesus listened carefully and, 
and heard the sound of these two small copper coins. Interesting. He looked up and he saw a woman there, and he saw that, that her gift, though small, admittedly, at least according to the world's standards, that it was great. And Jesus said to his disciples, look, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the treasury. You know, it strikes me that this poor widow could have stayed home that day. I mean, undoubtedly, she had, she had probably been encouraged by folks around her, or at least the cacophony of noise that surrounds her and surrounds us these days, that a gift like hers really wouldn't make much of a difference, wouldn't make much of a difference at all. What difference could two copper coins make? I'm sure her neighbors told her. They're hardly worth a penny, some would have laughed. Like this poor widow is, we are constantly surrounded, aren't we, by the constant noise, too much of it, it seems, some days, of opinion, of expectation, of judgment, sometimes of ridicule, certainly of critique. But rather than live in worry, this woman persevered in, in faith, trusting that as God has clothed the lily and fed the raven, well, guess what? He will care for her as well. She learned to trust to begin her movement and, and to root her decisions to make her way to the temple of the Lord that day, that it would be rooted in trust, trust not in her own abundance or lack thereof, but in the abundance of God, knowing, knowing deep in her heart that God will use the very small to make the very great. Mother Teresa, who we now know as St. Teresa of Calcutta, said once, in this life we cannot do great things, but we can do small things with great love. The question for today, what do you have to give? What do you have to give? Maybe you've heard the story of David and Goliath classic. I mean, in some respects, it just is a wonderful children's story, but of course, it's much more than that. The nation of Israel stood paralyzed by the power of the Philistines and their chief adversary, the giant Goliath. No one would fight him, literally no one. And so David, young David, maybe 14, 15 years of age, just stands up and says, all right, frustrated, I'll fight him, he said. When it was clear that David was serious and others were trying to discourage him from doing so, nevertheless, King Saul said, I'll, I'll let you wear my battle armor. Most of us would have been honored to do such a thing, right? Impressed with the opportunity to wear the king's armor, except that it didn't fit. King Saul was well known to be tall and, and rugged, and, and David at age 14 was likely maybe tall, but certainly lanky, a, a young boy, quite different from King Saul. So there's a dilemma, right? Immediately in this story, a dilemma I mean, wouldn't you want to wear the king's armor? I mean, that'd be pretty cool, right? At least to take a selfie of yourself with the king's armor on, at, at least. And don't we normally like to allow ourselves with people and with things who will, who will speak of power or things that seem to be so very impressive to this world? And yet David who was remarkably mature at age 14, David said no. The armor didn't fit him, so why mess with it? In other words, he chose not to claim someone else's strength, but to focus on his own. And do you remember what happens next? 
It's a great part of the story, and yet one that's easy to overlook. He knelt down in a dry riverbed, and, and he picked up five smooth stones from that riverbed, stones that he had used probably most every day of his life. Because stories that are shared before this particular one show a boy, a shepherd boy, who in order to protect his flock, in order to protect his community, would use those stones and his slingshot to kill wild animals. He was very familiar with those stones and, and a slingshot that he kept close by his side. These five stones that he picked up that day from the riverbed, they were resources that he knew he had, tools, gifts that he would use to kill Goliath, which is exactly what he did. The point is this. David understood the resources that he was blessed with, and he used them for the sake of his neighbor to literally save the nation of Israel. What are your smooth stones? What are they? I mean, what are your resources that God has blessed you with, has given you, that through you, God can, can, can change this world for the sake of this church, for this community, and for this world? I mean, they're right there. They're in your life. You've used them before. You've, you've been blessed with them beyond your, your even comprehension, probably. They're ready for you to pick up. They are yours, friends. Claim them, given to you by God. But as you know, don't you? Not to be hoarded, but to be shared. Gifts that were first given by God to you for the sake of the other. I visited a good family friend early in the pandemic. She lives alone, and I wanted to check on her. When I went into her garage, um, which is the way into her house, I noticed easily, I don't know, like 20 packages of toilet paper. You know, each package having eight or ten rolls of toilet paper. Right? It was just a bunch of toilet paper there in the corner of the garage. Uh, it remembers in, in a time when we were running out of toilet paper. I mean, you'd go to the grocery store and the shelves would be bare. I think in our family of five, because everybody was home early in the pandemic, I think we, there was a time when we had like one half roll of toilet paper and you start to get nervous and anxious, right? Anyway, apart from that, she had all this toilet paper and I laughed and, uh, and I said, why do you have all this toilet paper? She said, I have to protect myself from all the hoarders. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, you know this deep in your heart, right? God doesn't want you to hoard your gifts. Of course not, but to share them freely. There's great joy in the act of sharing. That begins by waking up each day with great thanksgiving that this good and gracious God has once again, while we were sleeping, while we were doing absolutely nothing, clothed the lilies of the field and fed the ravens of the air with grace that is beyond my comprehension. I know some of your stones might seem awfully small and insignificant. Some of them might even appear to be fragile, but never forget that God gave you those stones for a reason. So don't hide them. Don't ignore them don't deny them. Instead, do something great with them today and every day. Thanks be to God.